All right, Ephesians chapter 5. You know, I've been trying to get fired from song leading for the past five years. Looks like I succeeded tonight. No, I, I'm just kidding. I have to apologize to the pianists. I'm from Pensacola Christian College, and the guys know they sing fast there. And if you don't believe me, just watch a Becca book. Man, they speed through those songs. So I think coupled with that, and then uh, this evening... We had a long meeting in Lansing. I rushed home, got in the house, changed my clothes, grabbed a piece of pizza, came here, grabbed my songbook, and here I am. So I think my adrenaline's going, so I was trying to sing fast, but to thank you, Pastor, and what a friend we do have in Jesus. Thank God for that. Well, every time I preach, I feel like it's been a long time since we've been in Ephesians, so I always tend to give you a background again. But hopefully, for the next several uh, Wednesday nights, but not next week, right? <laughs> so maybe I'll have to do it one more time. Just don't forget the background, and I won't do it. Um, Paul writes this book from prison to believers in the city of Ephesus, encouraging them as to how to live a Christian life in a very dark world. Uh, we live in a dark world, don't we? And we need some encouragement and some, some tools and education on how do we live the Christian life? How do we walk the Christian walk in a very sinful world? One that is pulling us away from everything that has to do with God. Uh, borrowing from Watchman Nee, you could break the book down into three big sections. Sit, walk, stand. Anybody read the book? Fantastic book. If you haven't, go grab it, watch it. Read it or listen to it, however you read books. Um, and in the first couple of chapters, he talks about all that we have in Christ. You remember chapter 1? I think we identified something like 13 or 14 times where that phrase, in Him or in Christ, is mentioned, emphasizing that we are in Jesus. Baptism represents our relationship when the Holy Spirit places us into Christ and we're raised with Christ. Um, we're buried in His likeness in his, uh, of His death, raised to walk in newness of life. We are in Jesus. And in Him, we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything you need to walk the Christian walk and live the Christian life, even in a sinful world, you have it in Jesus. And so abide in Him so that you can be a fruitful branch plugged into the vine and drawing from His life flow. So we have to realize that we are in Christ. Sit in that. Rest in that. You may be going through a trial and the devil is trying to get you to panic and to throw in the towel, but realize that, wait a second, Christ already won the victory and He's seated at the right hand of the Father and I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I have a position in Him. Rest in that a while. Sit there and realize what you have in Christ and who God has made you in your salvation in Jesus. So we sit there. Well, then we need to walk the Christian walk. And I mentioned the illustration of a bride in her beautiful gown and it's all white and pretty and she walks back here to the cow patty, right? And just slops through the mud for her pictures and down on her face. And I mean, it's hard to walk through a muddy, mucky farm field in a white gown, isn't it? Christian, isn't it hard to walk through the, this world uh, and to be unspotted from the world? It's hard. It's really, really hard. And so he talks about how it is that we walk as a Christian 
through this world. And we're in that section now, walk. We'll get that to that soon. And then finally, it's stand. Sit, walk, stand. How do we as a Christian who has matured, put on the armor, been trained for warfare, stand against the wiles of the devil, stand for Christ in the battle of light and darkness, and win? How do we do that? We'll get to that in chapter 6. So, we talked about chapter 5, how do we walk as a Christian? And we said that we walk in love. That's the power or the energy of our walk. Do you love Jesus? Are you contemplating and basking in His love? That gives you energy to walk. And then the, the, the rest of chapter 5 until about verse uh, 9 talks about a pure life, a holy life, what that looks like, right? And purity is the manifestation of the walk. So if we're walking with Jesus, we're walking in the light, the world should see a Christian who is pure, who is holy. That's what the walk looks like. And he paints that picture for us in chapter 5. And then verse 10, we said that we, by doing so, by walking in the energy of love, demonstrating a pure and holy life, we're little, Christian, we're little Christ Christians, that's the manifestation of the walk. The, the goal or the, the motivation is to, verse 10, prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's glorifying Him, exalting Christ. That's our motive. That's the end or the goal of the walk. All right? So we're going to pick it up in verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 21, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless. Heavenly Father, let's go ahead and pray. <laughs> I got it backwards. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, would you bless tonight as we preach? Lord, calm me. I feel like I'm going a thousand miles an hour. So many responsibilities to juggle. And I know that these folks feel that as well. Father, help us to sit and rest a while in the truth that we are yours through Christ. Help us as we walk this Christian walk. Lord, equip us tonight for that. Educate us, encourage us, motivate us. Lord, remind us that we have victory over the devil, over our flesh, over sin. Remind us that we have a home in heaven. It's secure. Thank you for being a friend, Jesus. Now, would you meet with us tonight and encourage us and strengthen us and change us? Help us to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Later tonight, I will um, share some prayer requests and my uh, mission as a soldier uh, after I wrap up. Uh, but, but I am running. I, th I think I spend four nights at home a week, um, back for Wednesday nights, and then usually Thursdays, etc. So pray for me as I uh, minister to soldiers. Lots of great opportunities. Verse 8. For we, ye, excuse me, were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He reminds us of who we are and what we should be doing. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Verse 17, Wherefore, 
Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so in verse 8, he reminds us of the change that has happened for the Christian. The gospel is that Jesus died for sinners who couldn't save themselves. And when the Holy Spirit used that truth to convict your heart of your need for a Savior, you responded in faith and you said, Jesus, I'm a sinner on my way to hell and I can't do anything about it. But the Bible tells me that you're God and you died on the cross for me and you were buried and you rose again from the dead. You conquered death and that's exactly what I need you to do for me. So Jesus, I trust you to forgive me. Would you save me? And he says, absolutely, yes, I will. That's the gospel. Jesus is alive and can save you because of what he's done for you on the cross. And he's alive and he has the power to do so. So if you've not done that, you need to do that. You won't get much out of the message tonight unless you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for the gift of eternal life. Now, if you have done that, you are considered to be a child of God. And he says, God did a miracle in you. He took you from the kingdom of darkness and he put you over here into the kingdom of light. You're no longer a child of the devil. You're now a child of God the Father. And God says, you were sometimes darkness, but now in Jesus, you're light. That's your character. That's what he's done for you. And he has an expectation that we walk as his children, as a matter of fact, children of light. There's a certain way that we should live because that's our character, our new character in Jesus. It is to be a reflection of the one who saved us. It is to be a reflection of our father, of our family. So he reminds them that, look, don't be walking in darkness and going back to the sin that was condemning you to hell because you've been saved out of it. Isn't it great to know that we don't have to walk the Christian walk in order to secure our salvation? Because I would fail miserably. I'd be on my way to hell. He did that for us on the cross when he was crucified and then he was buried and rose again and he says, here's a gift, take it by faith. When, I, when we did, we, it was secure. We received that gift by faith. We have eternal life done. And no man can pluck, it, pluck us out of his hands. We don't walk the Christian walk to secure or to keep our salvation. That's God's job. Our job is to take the grace and the power that he gives to us on a daily basis and walk the Christian life. Walk the Christian walk to walk in the light. So he reminds us who we are and then he challenges us, walk as children of light. And he says this, why? Because or for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You and I, Christian, have been called, predestinated, if you will, to a specific kind of life, right? Predestination, I won't get into that, but part of it is what he's predestinated us to here and now. If he saved you, he has determined 
uh, decided that you should live a certain way. And so he says, um, I've chosen you to this, and please walk as a child of light because when you walk in the light, that's where um, you find the fruit of the Spirit. It's in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is in that type of lifestyle, meaning when I abide in Jesus Christ and let his life flow through me and I produce fruit, it's because I'm only because I'm in Jesus. If I'm walking in darkness, that means I'm not plugged into the vine, right? If I'm walking in darkness, it's not the place of righteousness and goodness and truth. I'm not there. And so I won't be what? Fruitful. But if I'm walking in the light, that means that I'm reading His Word, trusting His Word, and obeying His Word, relying on God for the ability to live it out. That's righteousness, goodness, truth. That's the place. Where do we find those things? In Jesus. It's in Him. It's in the light. And there is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. So he says, you are a child of light, so walk in the light. And in that, in so doing, in that state or in that walk, you will be fruitful. And you will fulfill the calling of God on your life. And it goes on in verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So when people look at us, like you remember James, you say you have faith, but faith without works is dead. Does that mean that I trusted in Jesus, I had faith, but I don't do any works, I'm not really saved? No, that's not what it means. Faith is what saves. I place my faith in Jesus, He saves me. But if I tell you that, yeah, I have faith in Jesus, but I never do any works, how can they see my faith? They can't. To the onlooker, my faith is dead because they can't see it. But if I'm in the light, in goodness and righteousness and truth, and I'm abiding in Jesus, I'm fruitful. And the onlooker can say, man, that guy says he has faith, and his life lines up. I can see the fruit of his faith. It's a living faith to the onlooker. And so as we walk in the light, we're fruitful, and when we do that, we prove to the world, we demonstrate to the world what is acceptable to God? That's how we glorify Him. So ask yourself, are you producing fruit? And if you're not, why is that? Probably because you haven't been walking in the light. If I take a tree, my father-in-law's favorite is what? Peach, right? He's got peach trees in his yard. If, um, if I have several larger trees that are above that and it creates a, a canopy and a nice shaded area, what's going to happen to those fruit trees? they probably will not be very fruitful. But if I cut an opening so that the light can come through and they're in the light, what will happen? They'll produce fruit. Same with the Christian. If you're not basking in the light of our Savior and in His Word daily, we will not produce fruit. And he says in verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, this, this could mean a few things. Don't go sinning with the world, right? I think you know that by now, okay? But sometimes we can be involved in things that eh, it's not really sin necessarily, but it's unfruitful. It's a waste of time. 
waste of, you know, good resources. Facebook is the bane of mankind, you know. <laughs> Not really. I have it. I like it. But it can certainly be a time waster, can it? And can social media, not just Facebook, social media, can it not sometimes just drain you of your joy and drain you of your energy? When I should be with my family, I'm scrolling and checking out the news and, hey, it's great for keeping up with people and for posting encouragement. I'm not saying social media is sin. That's the point. It may not be sin, but be careful not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. There's a lot of darkness on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram and on all the other social media, TV, right? There's a lot of darkness out there. Um, it's depressing and it steals your joy if you dwell upon it, right? And watching the news or being on social media, that's not necessarily a sin. That's not what I'm saying, but it can become a sin for the Christian because we're... we're spending so much time we're fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness be careful about that christian because it will steal it will it will draw you into the darkness and now you're not abiding in christ you're not soaking up the sunlight you're not being fruitful anymore be careful of where you spend your time it also just means hey be careful with whom you spend time there is a fine line, I guess you could say, between reaching the lost and spending so much time with them that they begin to influence you and you begin to think and talk and act the way that the world does and now you're fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness and what you intended to be a witness, now you've lost all influence because you've become just like them. So ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom Watch your time and energy and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. How do I prevent that? Well, I spend as much time in the Word of God as I can. So that when I'm with the world, I'm still sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction. And when somebody makes that joke, I say, Holy Spirit, help me to respond correctly, not to, not to just... <laughs> Isn't that hard sometimes? How should we act in that situation? He gives us insight. He says, don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Reprove them. Now, does that mean every time a dirty joke is told or some word is said that we should to the world, you are a sinner on your way to hell. I mean, is that the way that we should react? <laughs> it says reprove them, right? Well, I think you can use Holy Spirit wisdom. He can guide you and direct you. Is that what Jesus did? Sometimes with the religious leaders who are self-righteous and puffed up, he really brought the hammer down. But with the, um, with the adulterous woman, did he, did he point a finger in her face and call her out and call her names? No, he's very gentle, but he still reproved her. What about with the, um, the woman taken in adultery? Now, he did reprove those who came to stone her, didn't he? And I think at the same time, and in a different way, with tact and wisdom, he also reproved the adulterous woman. Was she convicted of her sin? Better believe she was. And he said, go and sin no more. So there's a way to live 
in which we are reproving sin, but we have the Spirit guiding us because we've been soaking up the light and He's influenced us and He's, He's giving us insight into life. He's giving us wisdom to uh, reprove the works of darkness and it's not uh, one tool for every situation. If I went to uh, Harbor Freight or Lowe's and picked up the nicest, most expensive hammer that I could find for an electrical job <laughs> or a plumbing job or every job, um, my wife would be on the phone with the handyman rather quickly, right? I'd be breaking things. There's, there's only a limited number of jobs I can do with that hammer, as fancy and expensive as it is. And so I need the skills, right? That's the Christian life. It's not just good intentions, but it's getting into the Word and letting the Holy Spirit actually improve your life skills, your people skills, giving you wisdom to reprove the, the, the unfruitful works of darkness but with tact and with being spirit-led. And, oh, you know what? I'm going to apply this principle to this situation. I have several tools in my tool belt. Imagine a world where believers everywhere were soaking up the Word of God and going to every seminar they could and listening to every word that God, that God puts on the heart of the pastor and taking notes and, and praying and getting mentors and and saying, hey, show me my deficiencies, Lord. Mentor, show me my deficiencies. How can I improve? We'd have better parenting. We'd be able to uh, understand how to interact in a place like Ann Arbor versus uh, Jackson. It's a different place, right? And we, we need wisdom to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness in those different and specific areas. And the Holy Spirit can give you those tools. You have good intentions, but by getting into the Word and studying to show thyself approved, you also gain those technical skills. If I need someone to fix my electrical problem, I just don't with a hammer. I call someone who has been trained. And the Christian should always be learning from the Holy Spirit and from the Word of God and being trained in life because the world is changing. And the challenges we face today, while sin is sin, but the challenges we face and our young people face today are different than the challenges we faced 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. How will our young people reprove the transgender, the homosexual crowd, the way that our world is moving, in a way that still demonstrates the love and light of Jesus Christ. Not so that we can just banish them all, but win them to Jesus Christ. That takes skill. That takes the Holy Spirit uh, maturing us. And the only way we can do that is if we walk in the light. And it, it, it's, it doesn't happen overnight, folks. You could have the best intentions but you could cut that person off from the gospel for the rest of their lives. And so let's mature in Christ. Let's Don't waste your time, and I'm convicted here, in the unfruitful works of darkness. If 
but rather reprove them. How do we do that? Spend your time, energy, and efforts in the light, in the Word, in church, fellowship with other believers. Listen to as many sermons. Uh, read as many commentaries. Pray for wisdom and understanding. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And that's basically talking about, hey, do we make light of these things? Do we joke about these things? Or do we, are we heartbroken? Right? And take them to God in prayer. Um, you know, sometimes we may even share prayer requests or talk about the things of the world in a way that more or less is gossip. Right? I pray for sister so-and-so because, you know, she's <laughs> struggling in this specific area. I don't want to say more. I probably shouldn't say this, but... And it's just a gossip session. Well, how about going to them individually with a broken heart and saying, hey, I don't want the church, I don't want this to get out so that you're embarrassed, but I did notice this. And I'm praying for you. And this is wrong. Reprove them. Walk in the light. Your life and your actions should be a rebuke. Reprove means by conviction to draw out into the light. And that's what sin needs. And sometimes I think that in this 21st century America, our Christianity has become so polite. And we just hope that by saying I go to church and mentioning the word faith now and then, that somehow that person is going to be drawn to Jesus. Well, we have to open our mouth and actually share what Jesus has done for us. And be specific. And let your life and your words and your actions be a rebuke, but with tact and Holy Spirit wisdom. And so, let's not joke about these things. You know, for, for a long time, homosexuality was kind of a joke on TV and movies and, you know, guys would joke with each other. What has that done? It's made light of it. And, it's, and then it became benign. It doesn't really matter. It's just funny or now it's acceptable. Now it's front line, mainstream. Sin is sin, whatever it may be. And we, it's a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret. Don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Is your life a reproof, a rebuke to the sin of the world? What happens often when you reprove someone, even, even with tact? Is it comfortable for you or for them? It's often not. Sometimes you'll have conviction and that person will repent, praise God, leave that work up to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you will get pushback. And when I said that our Christianity has become very, very polite, it's become very comfortable for us and we've become very polite because we don't want to, any pushback. We don't want any, um, any um, confrontation. But brother and sister, if, if we aren't facing any confrontation at all, we're probably doing something wrong. Because the light is a rebuke but that has to be mingled with the love of Jesus Christ. What is the goal of that rebuke? Is it just to be right and they're wrong and bless God, I'm going to show them? Or is it a, a genuine burden for that soul? Because their sin is really no different than mine. I needed saving just as much as them. It doesn't matter if you have the worst and, and, and absolutely grossest, most heinous sin the little old grandma who's never accepted Jesus, but who taught Sunday school every week and who donated to the local shelter and this and the other, 
without Jesus, they both end up in the same place. Sin is sin. And our job is to walk in the light so that we are a rebuke for conviction in order to bring them to Jesus. So let's check our motive. Uh, Verse 13, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Light does that. You know, you flip on the, the switch in the kitchen, what happens? All the cockroaches. <laughs> because they've been manifested, right? The, the light does that. And if you and I walk in the light, we should be a reflection of that light. And people are uncomfortable with that sometimes. It, it should make them uncomfortable because it's, it manifests the problem, right? Um, if I have a problem, cancer, whatever it may be, I want a good doctor um, to operate on me, but I want him to do it with the lights on. He's like, oh, trust me, I'm really good. I don't need the lights. We're trying to save energy. Dim the lights, please. You know, no, flip them on. You know, put, when you're in the dentist chair, it's blinding, isn't it? But I want it to be blinding because I don't want her to pu- pull the wrong tooth. Light manifests the problem But the goal is not just to manifest the problem. And I think that's where so many Christians stop. Isn't that sad? We like to manifest the the problems of the world. They're the problems. That's the issue. But it's not with a heart to help that person be saved from that issue. And that's the doctor's goal. But if we're walking in the light, we will manifest what is wrong with the world. And that is sin. Folks, are you, are you reflecting the light of Jesus Christ? In order to reflect the light, you need to absorb the light. Now, I have an illustration, and you all know what these are. Thank you, barbers, for letting me borrow them. And I was hoping to keep them in the dark so that they wouldn't reflect. And I took them to the round room, and they were reflecting. So I hit them, hopefully. Eh, we'll see. Could you gentlemen turn the lights off, please? You all know what these are, right? Stick them on the roof, all of them off. There, there we go, there we go. Now, can you see that? I wish I could turn that off too. You can see that a little bit, right? Now, if you, if you own any of these, you have them in your kid's room, or maybe you adults have them too, I don't know. Um, you're scared of the dark. What happens to these after, oh, a few hours or a day or two? They get dim right? And so um, if the room is dark and maybe your shades aren't open, after a few days you won't see them anymore. However, if I stick them in the light and I let them soak up that light, right? I know that's bright, isn't it? (laughs) And the darker it is, the, the brighter the light of Jesus should shine. If I soak them up in the light, Now, can you see them a little bit better? Why? Why is it that you can see these brighter than they were just a moment ago? Because they spent time in the light. You can turn the lights on, please. Folks, if our light is dim, it's because we're not spending any time in the light. We're fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness, and it's killing our testimony. But if we spend time with Jesus, 
we can't help but shine. Because there's something in this chemically, in its nature, that allows it to soak up the light and then reflect it. Well, when Jesus saved you, He made you a child of light. And He says, walk in the light so that you can prove what's acceptable to the Lord. When you bask in the presence of the Savior in prayer and you seek Him and you are convicted by Him and changed by Him and you're in His Word rather than wasting time on social media. Boy, am I convicted right now. (laughs) When you do that, you soak up that light so that when Jesus says, okay, now it's time to go out into the world, you shine. And isn't it neat how um, one on a ceiling is pretty cool, but isn't it cool when you turn the lights off and the parents have just decked from wall to wall all kinds of moon and stars and constellations and galaxies. It's just, whoa! Imagine a world where every single Christian in the pew of our churches spent time basking in the light and soaking up the light. And when we go out into the world, the world just goes, whoa, look at all the lights. Imagine Ann Arbor Baptist Church if every single one of us determined tonight, I will spend more time in God's Word. I will spend more time walking in the light of His face and in His presence and in prayer and in the Word and memorizing it, studying it, applying it, trusting it. We would be like... uh, uh, just constellations and and galaxies shining in a dark world, drawing people to Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But if we're not spending time absorbing the light, we can't reflect the light. To reflect the light, you have to absorb the light. And that's my whole message. To reflect the light, you have to absorb the light. If we spend too much time in the darkness, we'll lose our shine. And the world will have nothing to guide them. But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. That's what light does, folks, and you are light in the Lord, so let your light shine. Wherefore, verse 14, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know, it's, it's considered rude, <laughs> Uh, at uh, 7.30 in the morning when your spouse is still sleeping to say, good morning, honey, open the shades, right? And the sun comes flooding in, Ah, right? I mean, that's not nice. Um, We need to wake up. We need to get out of bed. We need to rise from the dead, Christian. Open the shades and let the light of Christ in. The world may think we're rude as we reflect that light, but that's what we're called to do. And if we spend too much time in the darkness, you teenagers sleeping to noon, tisk tisk, right? If we spend too much time in the darkness, it gets harder and harder to leave the darkness and get into the light, doesn't it? If we spend too much time... uh, Thinking dark thoughts. Worrying about what this world is going to do. Being entertained by the unfruitful works of darkness. If we spend too much time there, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder to open the shades and let the light in. And we get to a point as a Christian where we say, you know, that that whole light thing, that whole church thing, that whole Bible thing, it's just, it's too difficult. 
I'm too embarrassed to, to turn 180 and go back. It's just easier to stay here in the darkness. And that's exactly where the devil wants us. And he calls us out. He says, Awake, thou that sleepest in Christ, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That's a reference to Isaiah 26, 19. Folks, uh, he says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I'll hurry up here. We won't finish the, the whole um, section. When we wake up and our eyes adjust to the light, then we can begin to kind of see where we're going. And as we get dressed and turn the closet light on and the bathroom light on, it, you know, it hurts a little bit, but our eyes adjust. And then we go down and we have breakfast, we have our coffee, and by that time the shades are open, the lights are on, and we're ready for the day, and we can see all the obstacles, right? As I get older, the more I have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, Right? <laughs> And I don't want to wake up my wife. So I keep the lights off in the room and I have negative seven prescription in each eye so I'm blind as a bat without my contacts in. So I get up at 3.30 in the morning and I'm trying to find my way to the bathroom, right? And the lights are off and I'm blind. And if my kid left a car on the, on the ground, I'm probably going to slip and break my back, right? Because there's obstacles and I can't see it. But when the lights are on, I can see that. He says, arise from, uh, wake up and arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. And he says, with that light, see then that you walk circumspectly, looking around, watching for obstacles, not as fools, but as wise. My kids are, kids do foolish things, do they not? I do foolish things still, but my kids often like to do this. They like to, especially Parker. He likes to either close his eyes and walk. <laughs> and he's laughing the whole time until right into the corner of the wall. They love to take the blanket and put it over their head, and they think it's the funniest thing in the world just to walk around with the blanket on their head, and then smack, I hear it in the other room. Yeah, all the parents are, yep, <laughs> my kids do the same thing. Now, if the CEO of a company just decided to walk around the offices one day with a blanket over his head, say, this guy's a fool. This guy's a, a child. He's silly. Folks, why do we walk around this world in darkness? Christ has given us light. Wake up. Walk circumspectly because we need to absorb the light, reflect the light, lead others. There's too many dangers out there. There's too many obstacles out there. Wake up. Rise from the dead. Christ will give you light. And with that light, walk circumspectly. Why? Because we don't have time to waste. He says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We live in evil days. And people will die and go to hell for all of eternity. So it really doesn't matter if you make level 15 on Candy Crush or whatever game it may be. It really doesn't matter if you, um, if you have to catch the next episode of that Disney special. Those things are all okay, but if, if we're dwelling there and neglecting the light, we don't have time for that stuff, folks. There's dangers out there that will trip you up, and unless you're in the light, you're not going to see them. You're going to fall headlong into a ditch. And now you are ineffectual for a world who needs your light. And they will die in darkness and spend eternity in hell. Folks, we don't have time. 
The battle is upon us. And so, put the unfruitful works of darkness aside. Absorb the light. Because you can't do what? You can't reflect the light unless you absorb the light. Walk in the light as He is in the light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father through their salvation, through their faith, through their maturation in Christ. That's what we want to see. And folks, you, can't, you cannot reflect the light unless you first absorb the light. You are a child of God. You are a child of light. So walk in the light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light that it gives us so that we might walk circumspectly, ab- avoiding the pitfalls that the devil has laid for us so that we can lead this world who is dying and on its way to hell, so that we can lead them to Jesus Christ. Father, we so often are guilty of wasting our time in the dark. We stay there in our thoughts, our dark thoughts. We worry. We get absorbed in entertainment and we, we focus more on our bank account than we do on the lost souls of men. Father, forgive us for that fellowship. Help us to forsake it. Help us to walk in the light so that we can reflect your light, be a rebuke to this world, but with love and wisdom. God, I pray that you would use us to bring people to Jesus. Help us to reflect your light as we absorb your light every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.